In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Once in the House of Commons, Winston Churchill was told that the leader of the opposition was a very modest man. Yes, Churchill replied, and he has much to be modest about. Well, today's gospel reminds us that in the sight of God, we all have much to be modest about. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that humility is part of the virtue of temperance because it restrains our appetites and orders them to the use of reason. It is thus the opposite of pride. Pride turns us away from God and toward our own selfish desires. But humility disciplines our self-will and turns us back to God, who is the source of all our good. Humility is not the highest virtue. The greatest virtue is charity. But humility is the foundation which leads to charity and to all the other virtues. Chapter 7 of the Rule of St. Benedict is concerned with the 12 degrees of humility in the spiritual life. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. This saying reveals that all exalting is a form of pride, against which the prophet shows that he is on his guard by saying, Lord, my heart is not exalted, nor my, nor my eyes uplifted. I have not concerned myself with great things, nor with wonderful things above my reach. Therefore, if we wish to attain the highest point of humility, and if we wish quickly to reach that heavenly exaltation, which is attained through humility in this present life, we must set up that ladder which appeared in Jacob's dream and by which angels were shown to be both descending and ascending. For without doubt, we are to understand that they descend by exaltation and ascend by humility. For that ladder is our life in this world, which, when the heart has been humbled by the Lord, is set up to heaven. And we say that the sides of this ladder are our body and soul, into which sides, by our God-given vocation, have been inserted sundry rungs of humility and discipline by which we may ascend. The first step, then, of humility is that one set the fear of God always before one's eyes and altogether avoid forgetfulness and be always mindful of everything that God has ordered and always ponder over life eternal, which is pre prepared for those that fear God, and how hell will consume for their sins such as despise God, and if he keep himself at all times from sins and faults, alike of thought, of the tongue, of the eye, of the hand, of the foot, or of self-will, and moreover hasten to cut away the desires of the flesh. Let him at all times recall that he is a man beheld always by God in heaven, and that whatsoever he does in any place is seen by the divine watchfulness and is at all times reported to God by the angels. The prophet makes this plain to us when he shows God always present in our thoughts, saying, God scrutinizing the hearts and reins, and again, the Lord knows men's thoughts. And again he says, 
thou hast understood my thoughts from afar. And since man's thought will acknowledge thee, in order that he may be careful concerning perverse thoughts, let the humble always say in his heart, then shall I be spotless in his sight when I have kept me from mine iniquity. But our own will we are thus forbidden to do, namely when the scripture says to us, and from thy wishes turn away. And again in prayer we ask God that his will may be done in us. We are therefore well taught not to do our own will when we avoid what the scripture mentions. Ways there are which to men seem right, but of which the end plunges down to the very depth of hell. And again, when we tremble at what is said of the careless, they are corrupt and become abominable in their pleasures. For amid the desires of the flesh, let us know by faith that God is always present with us. As the Lord says, as the prophet says to the Lord, Lord, every one of my desires is before thee. Thus must one beware of evil desires because evil is stationed outside the entrance of delight. So scripture gives command saying, go not after thy fleshly desires. And therefore, since the eyes of the Lord behold good men and bad, and the Lord is always looking down from heaven upon the children of men to see if anyone have understanding and be a seeker of God. And since our acts and deeds are every day, day and night reported to the Lord by the angels assigned to us. Therefore, brethren, must one beware at all times, as the prophet says in the Psalms, lest God at any time should see us become unprofitable and turning aside into evil. The second step of humility then is if anyone loving not his own will delight not to fulfill his natural desires, but in his deeds reproduce the word of the Lord who says, I did not come to do my will, but his who sent me. Again, the scripture says, self-will has punishment, but necessity acquires a crown. The third step in humility is that one for love of God subject himself in all obedience to his superiors, imitating the Lord of whom the apostle says, he was made obedient even unto death. The fourth step of humility is if in that same obedience, though things hard and contrary and even injuries, no matter of what kind have been inflicted, he keep patience with a quiet conscience and enduring grows not weary nor gives in. For scripture says, he who perseveres to the end, the same shall be saved. And again, let thy heart be comforted and wait for the Lord. And showing that the faithful man ought for the Lord's sake to wait patiently, seem all things never so contrary, it says in the name of the suffering, for thy sake we are afflicted all the day, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter and they, secure in their hope of divine retribution, gladly follow on and say, but in all these things we overcome by him who loved us. And again in another place, 
Thou, O Lord, hast tested us, says the scripture. Thou hast examined us with fire, as silver is examined with fire. Thou hast led us into the snare, thou hast placed troubles upon our back. And to show that we ought to be under a superior, it follows on, saying, Thou hast placed men over our heads. Moreover, fulfilling the Lord's command by patience, amid adversities and injuries, those struck on the cheek offer the other also. With him who deprives them of their tunic, they leave their cloak in addition. Constrained to go a thousand paces, they go two thousand. With Paul the Apostle, they endure false brethren and bless those that curse them. The fifth step in humility is if one shall has discovered to his superior spiritual advisor by humble admission any evil thoughts that come into the heart or evil deeds done by him in secret. The scripture makes exhortation concerning this matter saying, reveal to the Lord thy way and hope in him. And again it says, confess to the Lord since he is good and since his mercy is forever. And again the prophet says, my fault I have made known to thee and hid not mine unrighteousness. I said against myself, I will confess mine unrighteousness to the Lord and thou wilt forgive the unfaithfulness of my heart. The sixth step of humility is if a man be content with the meanest and worst of everything and with respect to everything, judge himself a profitless workman and unworthy, saying to himself with the prophet, I was brought to nothing and was ignorant. I became as a burst of burden, as a beast of burden before thee, and I am always with thee. The seventh step of humility is if he not only with his mouth denounce himself as inferior to all and more worthless, but also believe it in his inner consciousness, humbling himself and saying with the prophet, but I am a worm and not a man, a shame of men and an outcast of the people. I was exalted and humbled and confounded. And again, it is good for me that thou didst humble me, that I may learn thy commandments. The eighth step in humility is if a man do nothing but what the common good of the community and the example of his seniors suggests. The ninth step in humility is if he restrain his tongue from speaking so as to keep silence and not speak till questioned. The scripture showing that in much speaking, sin may not be avoided and that the talkative man will not be guided aright in the world. The tenth step in humility is if he be not easily and quickly moved to laughter, because it is written, the fool lifts up his voice in laughter. The eleventh step in humility is, when, is if when he speaks few and reasonable words, calmly and without laughter, humbly and with gravity, and be not noisy in speech, as it is written, a wise man is known by the fewness of his words. And the twelfth step of humility is if he be not only humble in heart, but also always in his very body evince humility to those who see him, 
in the work of God, in the oratory, in the monastery, in the garden, on the road, in the field or elsewhere, sitting, walking, or standing, his head be always bent, his eyes cast down, accounting himself at all times as one convicted of his sins, and likewise accounting himself to be already presented before God's awe-inspiring judgment, always in his heart saying to himself what the publican in the gospel said with eyes fixed on the ground. Lord, I, the sinner, am not worthy to lift up mine eyes to heaven. And again with the prophet, bowed and humbled, am I on every side. When then a man shall have ascended all these steps in humility, he will presently arrive at that love of God, which being perfect, puts fear right outside, and by means of which all that formerly he could not observe, but with much fearfulness, he will begin to keep without difficulty, as it were by habit become second nature, no longer through fear of hell, but for love of Christ and a certain good habit and delight in virtue, which the Lord will deign to manifest by the Holy Spirit to his laborer, now cleansed from vices and sins. Well, that should be our goal in this life, to ascend the ladder of humility and to delight in virtue and good habits. And for those who are struggling with pride, I often recommend that they pray the Litany of Humility, composed by Cardinal Mary de Val. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, O Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I go unnoticed, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, 
provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.